the Ortho PAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back. Today's episode is a little bit different. Once again, you'll hear my voice and not a guest. We do have scheduled guests coming up, so stay tuned for that. But today I'm going to talk about something that I wrote about in a manual that I wrote for onboarding new PAs. I thought it would be interesting because I could share some of my thoughts and my practice experience with you guys, and hopefully you can share some of yours with us through our social media and we can stimulate some interesting conversations. What I wanted to talk about was some practice pearls, just some thoughts that I pinned down and thought about over the years, and hopefully it'll be helpful for someone else. The first thing is talking about a differential diagnosis in orthopedics. When I make a differential diagnosis, I think of two questions. First, was there a trauma? And second, how old is the patient? This will really narrow down the list of possibilities. I think that's two good questions to ask yourself. And of course, you want to think about other things, but that's a good general way to start. Having a high pain tolerance, in my experience, usually means that the person has a low pain tolerance. I can't tell you how many times that someone is saying, oh, I've got such a high pain tolerance and I really need hydrocodone for my ankle sprain. No, you don't. The person that has high pain tolerance is the one that walks around on a fracture for a week and comes in because it's still swollen. In my experience with pediatrics, the second or third or fourth child of a parent will more likely than not have a pertinent finding, whereas the first child, not quite as often. doesn't mean they won't, but unless it's angulated or bleeding, many times those subsequent siblings won't be coming in or subsequent children won't be coming in. Motor vehicle collisions. Everybody's going to see these. Everybody's going to see a person that was involved in a motor vehicle collision. If the accident was the driver's fault or was a single car collision, more likely than not, there's going to be pathology. If the person got rear-ended, usually there's a lot of symptoms and a lot of subjective findings and not a whole lot of objective findings. That's not always the case. You have to look at it at a case-by-case basis, but I, I tend to be a little skeptical if it was a fender bender. Now, one good gauge that you can go with is How much monetary damage was done to the car, i.e. was the car totaled? Now, if it was a 2001 Yugo, then probably not much. But if it was just a fender bender and they were able to drive away, you really shouldn't have that significant trauma. I mean, maybe some strains, sprains, and a little therapy and ibuprofen and watch it. Speaking of motor vehicle collisions, make sure you document everything. If you are seeing the person that was rear-ended, More often than not, there is a litigious reason for them seeing you, and that unfortunately is the case. We live in a litigious society. Make sure you document everything, the mechanism of the accident, did they go to the hospital, where they're having their pain, all those things. Very important to have a good documentation with that. Speaking of questionable things, Waddell's, that's W-A-D-D-E-L-L apostrophe S, signs of non-organic back pain. If you're not familiar with those or you haven't thought about it, you might want to look it up. Basically, it is these certain signs where you can do tests, which really should cause no pain or no symptoms. And if they're positive, it means that you need to raise a suspicious eye when you're looking at these folks. 
I had a doc tell me once that your patient has cancer, a fracture, or an infection until you prove it otherwise with an x-ray. Everyone that comes to the orthopedic clinic gets an x-ray unless they've already had one, or there's a reason you cannot get it, or they specifically say they do not want one. You know, I don't have x-ray vision. I do have patients that say, why do I need a film? You know, why can't you figure this out? Well, I usually can, but what if you have some badness there and I don't see it? Everybody gets an x-ray. You're kind of the last stop for the musculoskeletal folks, so make sure to get a film. The most common reason a teenager or a young person will have shoulder pain is glenohumeral instability. Physical therapy really works well with this. Had many people with subluxing glenohumeral joints, many, many, many people. Physical therapy, working on strengthening the cuff and working on scapular stabilization really works well. So physical therapy will help. Anterior knee pain is very common, especially in a younger person. It's typically due to overuse and not a torn meniscus. Make sure you give physical therapy a prescription non-steroidal and even a patella stabilizing brace as your initial treatments. But you know, if the patient doesn't really stop what's causing their pain, it, it won't necessarily get a lot better. So it's really important to try to emphasize changing things. Very common with runners to have this and weightlifters doing squats. I can't tell you how many people I've seen doing the kettlebells that are doing squats and they have a trainer that's rah, rah, pushing, pushing, pushing. And then they show up in my clinic with a big swollen knee or BFK, a big fat knee, as I tell my patients. So anyways, you're going to see a lot of that and it's good to have a good treatment plan. Transient synovitis of the hip in kids is fairly common. I've seen it many times. Usually they had within the last week or so a cold or some sort of mild trauma, or they sometimes just wake up with it. You don't really have a reason why. If you're pretty confident it's transient synovitis, you really just have to wait it out and reassure their parents that it's going to be okay. Ibuprofen is usually a miracle drug for this. It, it makes it a lot better. Now you have to be careful, you know, a transient synovitis of the hip versus a septic hip is a big difference. And I've only seen a couple of kids with septic hips, but they usually look very sick. It's like any septic joint, high temperature, won't bear weight, have elevated white blood cells, high sed rate, CRP. If you're not sure and you don't think that you can completely rule it out, go ahead and send them to get labs. Untreated septic hip is a very severe issue, and it's basically an orthopedic emergency. Transient synovitis is way more common, and you'll see it pretty often. Cervical and lumbar disc herniations. One of the spine docs that I work with said that less than 10% of these actually need surgery. And the outcomes of non-surgical and surgical treatments are very similar when you look at it down the road. A disc herniation does not necessarily equal surgery. Definitely try some conservative therapy, try maybe epidural steroid injections, facet injections, similar types of injections, and, and you know, physical therapy, and see if you can wait it out. Now, that doesn't mean if someone has a dropped foot with a large neural compression that you'd want to get them in with a spine person but it's something to consider. And also a disc bulge, disc desiccation, herniated disc. People kind of fixate on that because it's popular in the culture. So you kind of have to explain and educate your patient what the differences are.
I think that's all I've got for now. I've got several of these practice pearls. I've got pearls on casting, radiology, some injection handouts. And these are all available to our members for free on the Learning Center portion of our website, paos.org. Click on the CME on the tile bar and click on the Learning Center. You have to be logged in as a member, but all of this information is there. So I hope you take advantage of it and we'll talk to you next week. Ortho PAC podcast. Hello, listeners. I wanted to tell you about our next upcoming conference, Nor Ortho in the West, February the 18th through the 20th, 2022, which will be in Phoenix, Arizona. We have quite a few sports topics and trauma topics, and we hope you can join us there.